Greetings, beloved, and thank you once again for listening to our services, our sermons, uh, through whatever means it is that you're listening. We have it uh, through Podbean as our, what they call, podcast catcher, uh, but it is available on iTunes and Google Podcasts and quite a few other things. So I just wanted to take a minute to thank you. Uh, I am recording more of those backlogged sermons from this past summer, uh, so if you've heard any of those so far... Uh, I apologize for the confusion of, of having these out of order. It is our study of the Lord's ministry, and it's supposed to be done chronologically, and, and it was uh, here, <laughs> live, but over the summer, we didn't have the ability to record. Uh, so that left me about 12 sermons that I had to uh, record over the last couple of weeks to put them back where they go. Uh, and, and honestly, we're getting ready to go into that week of the Lord's uh, trials and what, what's commonly referred to as Passion Week. Uh, so I just have five more, and I'm hoping to get them done before we get to that point. So this particular one that we're recording right now takes place right after Jesus' life on earth, crippled woman on Sabbath, and Jesus' defense. Uh, I think there's about three or four that I've already recorded from this past summer. This will fall right in behind that. Uh, so again, I apologize if it's confusing. If you're trying to listen in chronological order, certainly this is frustrating. I don't think it's going to rob from the blessing. Uh, and in fact, it might be a little bit richer uh, since I have taught so many of these lessons after this particular one. So open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 18 through 21. And this really begins a, a, a pretty decent run uh, in Luke, which uh, in present day we're in Luke 18. So I'll let you know how far we got. There's a couple of times where we've jumped out of the sequencing uh, for the events that chronologically took place. But uh, in particular, there's a lot of stuff in Luke that takes place back to back to back in between the events of uh, Lazarus, for example, when Lazarus is risen there in John. Uh, it takes place a few verses into Luke 17. And if you've been listening all along, you've, you've already caught that. But here in Luke 13, starting in verse 18, it says, Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, Jesus says, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. The title of today's uh, outline is Parables of the Mustard Seed and the Leaven. So the first thing we have to address here is what is the question at hand? What an appropriate question for us to consider in, our, in even our day when we really look at what they're asking here. What is the kingdom of God like? How can I compare it or make it relatable to others? Beloved, if you're listening to this and you're born again, that, that's the charge to you and me. Is how can we make the, uh, a comparison for others to see just how grand the kingdom of God must actually be? What is it like? Is it relatable? Is it something to be desired? And that is the responsibility, the burden that falls upon the born-again believer. How incredible it is, is it that the parable Jesus tells to answer these questions begins by describing something man or creation took and threw? like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden. The animals of creation, or the fowls, found it incredibly useful. They found homes in the branches of the large tree. 
We see that it goes on there and says they cast him to the garden and it grew and waxed a great tree and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. The seed or tree grew to a great size, which is comforting as it is being used here to picture the kingdom of heaven. But what are we to do with the image of man seemingly taking this seed, this germ of a thing, in this case the kingdom of God, and casting it away? Is it truly something man has found as useless? As a seed to a being that cannot see past his own belly when he's hungry? Think of the phrase, more convenient season, that we hear Felix say to Paul there in Acts twenty-four, twenty-five, where it says, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Sure seems like uh, at least this man was able to just cast away the idea of the kingdom of God. There's another example in, in a couple chapters later, Acts 26, verses 26 through 29. And we read there, For the king knoweth of these things, before, uh, Paul speaking, sorry, For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, Of course, I would to God, that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. That is the question, what is the kingdom of heaven like? But in that question is, what is the value of the kingdom of heaven and the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven to you and I, to man? The second thing to consider is the elevated imagery. There's an elevation element to these two short parables that cannot be ignored. The seed grows skyward into a magnificent tree in which not just any creatures, but fowls of the air are found to lodge in. Where a bird lodges must be safe from common ground predators. In the second parable, the woman is using the leaven to ferment her three measures of meal, or wheat or flour. And I'll reread that for you now. It's like leaven, Jesus says, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. She is laboring to increase her portion that might satisfy or fill those she is hoping to feed. Leaven is oftentimes used to denote an evil such as hypocrisy, but like all things that God has made, it has a great purpose. It is this, uh, or rather is this, a contradiction then for the Lord to use the term leaven here? Not at all. The leaven is still acting in the same way. It's still doing exactly what it was designed to do. The leaven of the Pharisees, as seen in the previous chapter of Luke, also gives an increase, but it's a false inflation. The Pharisees, in their hypocrisy, were called to feed those who were spiritually hungry, and yet all they offered was a false hope, or just the element used for increasing it without some sound flour or wheat or what we might refer to scripturally as meal, leaven performs as it was created to. Leaven is not the villain. What it does, though, is the most relatable thing for which the Lord to reference and explain the danger of the Pharisees. It gives increase. Beloved, we have to be very careful what we elevate, what we give increase to. And thirdly, we see here the most important element of all. Consider the exponential growth of that mustard seed. 
The seed itself is typically one-tenth of an inch of a di in diameter, commonly compared to the head of an ink pen. This seed is known today to reach maturity and growth in just 85 to 95 days. Mustard seeds are also incredibly good for you. They are very rich in phytonutrients, minerals, vitamin C, K, B6, riboflavin, and folic acid, and antioxidants, and are also known for being good sources of essential oils and dietary fiber. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. He continues to point to a mustard seed uh, <coughs> excuse me, over and over again, and it's possibly one of the best things for us, not just in digestion, but in consideration and meditation. Hard to believe that something so small and seemingly insignificant could be so powerful. If you've never seen a mustard seed, I want to encourage you today, if, if, if I know here in America we have quite a few Christian bookstores still, uh, not as many Lifeways as we once did, but uh, even if you're not here in, in the States, if you can get to the internet, you could look up a Christian bookstore website of some sort, and you can see uh, uh, they've got ink pens now with mustard seeds inside of it, which is supposed to give cause for meditation and, and considering of the scriptures. And again, if you're near a Christian bookstore, you can go in and, and, and see one in your hand. They've got uh, paperweights and, and things of that nature with them inside of it. And it's a good reference. Uh, it's good for us to understand what Jesus is referring to. In Matthew 17, verse 20, we read, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. We see then in these two parables that the kingdom of God is like something that grows to great heights, providing both safety and durability and something that causes growth. In one parable, it is taken and cast, but still shows growth. That's significant because in other parables that talk about the seeds, as you might remember, some are cast forth and dry out and die, some and so on and so on and so forth. This particular seed is cast and grows. It still serves purpose. In the other, it is worked into three measures of meal, spreading and leavening as it worked. At this particular juncture, the Lord Jesus had shamed adversaries and a rejoicing crowd. He spoke to the immaturity of both. They needed to grow. Well, what do we preach? What John the Baptist preached, according to Matthew three two, what Jesus, excuse me, what Jesus preached in in uh, Matthew four seventeen was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God during the church age was growing. We haven't gotten to it yet in our study, but in the very next chapter of Luke, we'll read when Jesus described the great supper, and those that were invited, made many excuses as to why they could not attend. Luke 14, verses 21 through 24, which, uh, since this is a sermon from this past summer, you can go and uh, listen to that particular subject matter if you would like, um, uh, and, and hopefully just a day or two, because I hope to record it here soon. But look, at, look there with me, if you would, Luke 14, verse 21 through 24. We read, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done, as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. 
And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of, the, none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 makes it plain that there is a purpose to all that has been created. We read in chapter 3 verse 1, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. The purpose of the church age is to grow the kingdom of God, to bring in the sheaves, to compel them in the highways and the hedges, to repent and believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is like unto a thing, a great promise and, and, uh, and growth, and it will grow those who have believed. The foolishness of something so small as a mustard seed becoming a place prepared for the dwelling. What a glorious picture. 1 Corinthians, Paul says in chapter 1, verse 18, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. In John chapter 14, the first three verses, we read, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. These are fantastic and hard to believe truths if you truly think about what's being said. This seed, the smallest of all the herbs, expanded at such a pace, 85 to 95 days, that it's hard for us to not think of those 11 men commissioned to go out into all the world with Satan unable to stop them in their faithful pursuit. Just look at the church now, some 2,000 years later. She's faced many a hard time, dark ages in which men would not repent, festive seasons in which man conveyed his great love for the festivities of the pagans more than the true worship of God himself, yet the church is still here. Here she will remain until the Lord comes for her. Now before we close, let us consider the other warning that we can see in this second parable which discusses leaven. In every other expression of leaven, the Lord is giving warning. So I think it's important that we consider the possibility that this might be yet another one. The world was not converted in Noah's day before the flood. In fact, only eight were aboard as the Lord closed the door. Matthew 24, verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. As the day approaches of our Lord's return, we will see that ever-increasing apostasy will continue to gain momentum within the Lord's church. If this were not so, we would be forced to question the validity of the Lord's words in Luke 18, 8. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Like Jezebel of old, the woman in this parable is working surreptitiously and tirelessly. And if it is a picture of her leavening the truth, perverting the truth, if you will, you can see a picture of the ever-increasing apostasy. If this parable is a warning to the church, then let us heed Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I pray, I pray that you will find a blessing in the Lord's word. I pray that if you are not near a local New Testament church, and if you cannot get to a local New Testament church, 
that you might find a blessing in continuing to be with us. If there's anything we can do to, to, to help establish a mission or to put the call out for other like-minded believers in your community, please don't hesitate to let us know. You can email me at Pastor Joe, GMBC, that's Grace Missionary Baptist Church, Pastor Joe, GMBC, at gmail.com. We love you all, and we thank of you often. We're so thankful that the Lord has given us this outreach opportunity, and we ask, if you would, to pray for us. Uh, we are contending with the devil. It is spiritual warfare, uh, and if it is at all worth its salt, the devil hates it, and will do everything he can to stop it. So we ask that you pray for us uh, as a church here. Pray for us to be a blessing to the community of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Pray for our mission. We have a mission up in Holden, Missouri, and if you're in that area, we, uh, we'd count it a great blessing uh, to, to, dis- to discuss with you their address and to send you that way. And, and again, you can email me. Uh, I'd be glad to talk about that with you. We've got um, almost 20 people uh, up there that meet on a regular basis, and, and they need a man, they need a pastor. Uh, they're currently being fed by by us and a couple other men that we trust uh, through DVDs and audio like this. And there's a lot of churches, unfortunately, in that same situation. If you're anywhere near the Caldwell, Kansas area, about two hours away from Tulsa, uh, we'll be preaching up there, Lord willing, February 1st. Uh, love for you to come and join us. They um, they are a hungry folk, a faithful folk. Uh, they've been without a pastor for quite a few years now, so do pray for us as we travel. Pray for them that the Lord would send them a man. And again, we thank you for listening. And let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the burden of your word. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to, to preach it in a format like this. We know this isn't church. We know that this doesn't pacify or satisfy the requirements of us to uh, to publicly, corporately gather together and with other like-minded believers. But we also know that the preaching and teaching of your word is beneficial to your people. And we also know that it is your word and it is the gospel itself made effectual by the working of the Holy Spirit that saves souls. And we pray, Lord. If there's a one out there hearing this that does not know you, that they would consider today the precious truth of the scriptures. We ask, Father, that you bless in only the way that you can. You know the need of all those who are listening. You know the need of this one who is speaking. And Lord, we just trust you with all these things. We ask, Father, your mercy upon us, for we are indeed sinners. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.